Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I okay. hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only... Yes, those sleigh bells can mean only one thing. It is the Best of Ass Holiday Special. And for the next hour, we'll be bringing you brand new holiday-themed stories and replaying snippets of some of our favorite guest segments from the past year, including interviews with Allison Arngrim, Glenn Scarpelli, Stephen Wallum, and John Fugelsang. My name is Adam Sank. Today is Saturday, December 29th. We hope you had a fabulous Christmas and are getting ready for a rockin' New Year's Eve uh, I need to first say hello to my trusty co-pilot on this holiday journey through the ass, everyone's favorite frost pig, Ryan Frostberg. Hi, Adam. Hi, Happy Ryan. holidays. Happy holidays to you. Are you excited for the best of ass? I am. We only do this four times a year. I know. <laughs> I'm having deja vu. Well, I thank, thank God that you're back for this. When did you I stop know. doing the show regularly? What was the uh, day October. So we basically didn't have you for for most of the uh, the last quarter of the year. Mm. But we've been lucky to have you uh, last week and the week before that. Yes. You're here this week. And I think your New Year's resolution should, should be, be to get another job. Get a new job. Not just for us, but for yourself. For myself, yes. And get yourself back on the ass on a regular ba- basis because the listeners demand it. I know. I demand it. They like me. They really like me. They do like you. JB, happy holidays. Happy holidays, Adam and Ryan. How are you? I'm good. What What's your uh, your resolution or your wish for the new year? Um, to do a lot more making out with hot guys. Yes, that's a good one. Oh, of that this year. That's a good resolution. Yeah. Mine is, and I'm putting this out there for the universe. I'm gonna meet my husband in 2019. Yes, that's a good one. I don't know who he is, but you're gonna meet him. I don't know where he is. I don't know how big his dick is. I'm hoping it's at least eight inches. And circumcised. And definitely circumcised. But I am going to meet him in 2019. We're not going to get married in 2019. But I'm going to meet meet and start dating and form a relationship. And maybe 2020 we'll get engaged. And maybe 2021. God, that's weird sounding. 2021 we'll actually have the wedding, which will be in my sister's backyard in New Jersey. And um, we'll be walking down the aisle to... um, that song from the Full Monty. <laughs> Are you gay? Do you know the one I'm talking yes. about? Yes. It's a breeze on the river. No. The one that goes, is it the wind 
over my shoulder. Oh, yeah. No, not the wind. For Whatever, it's all faggotry. You walk, you walk with me. It's so beautiful. You and are a homo. Thank you. And by the way, I just sounded great. Um, anyhow, we're going to do a bunch of holiday-themed stories to get uh, this show rolling. And the first one, uh, because nothing to me says uh, Christmas like the word faggot. So there's been a lot of controversy this season because Spotify is featuring uh, a song called Fairy Tale of New York on its Christmas Classics playlist. Fairy Tale of New York um, is a, a Pogues song. I don't know if anyone remembers the Pogues. They were big in the 80s. And um, here's a line that it seems to be outraging many people. You scumbag, you So, uh, of course, the, the, it's been accused. Spotify and the Pogues have been accused of homophobia. In case you missed it, her lyrics were: "You're a bum. You're a punk. You're an uh, so it's it's a man and a woman, right? The woman sings, "You're a bum. You're a punk." The man says, "You're an old slut on junk, uh, lying there almost dead on a drip in that bed." She then responds, "You scumbag. You maggot. You cheap lousy faggot. Happy Christmas, your ass. I pray God it's our last." I mean, the song came out in 1987, which was not a great year for gay people. Sure. Uh, the HIV AIDS epidemic was roaring. President Reagan was doing nothing about it. At least 4,135 people died of HIV that year. Listen, I'm not downplaying the seriousness of AIDS, <clears throat> but I don't think that's a homophobic attack. No. On anyone. I think she's coming up with a, as many horrible, filthy words she can think of to call him, and that's one of them. And it, and he's rhymes, not gay. Right. And faggot rhymes with maggot, and it was just, you know. What do you think, JB? Are you offended? No, I'm not. It's it's just the song. The, the song is clear. She's arguing with a man. So it's like for you to feel, for any gay people to feel a way about it, it's totally uncalled for because it's not like she's calling a gay person a faggot. She's calling her boyfriend a faggot, which I feel like is a totally different context. Right. And I, I also feel like it's important that, like, I am not offended by this. This does not offend me at all. And not to say that, like, people who are offended shouldn't be offended. Everyone's allowed to feel what, what they feel. But just because the word faggot is being used doesn't mean that it's, like, immediately an offensive thing and Spotify has to take it down. It's just like, I don't know. It's just crazy. Feelings aren't facts. Exactly. <laughs> and facts are facts. And facts are facts. In 2007, the BBC radio station edited out the, the slur to avoid offending listeners, but they quickly backtracked after listeners and uh, the lead singer's mother complained. Um, the uh, I wish I could get her name. So Shane McGowan is the man who was the lead singer of the Pogues. The woman is named, her last name is McCall, Christy, Kirsty McCall, and she actually is no longer with us. Um, but So the song's been controversial for some time, and after this latest controversy about the Spotify playlist came out, Shane McGowan, the lead singer, uh, issued a statement. He said, it's representative of the imperfect character that Kirsty McCall is portraying in the song. Quote, the, words, the word was used by the character because it fitted... It fitted with the way she would speak and with her character. She is not supposed to be a nice person or even a wholesome person. She is a woman of a certain generation at a certain time in history, and she is down on her luck and desperate. 
Her dialogue is as accurate as I could make it, but she is not intended to offend. She is just supposed to be an authentic character. And not all characters in songs and stories are angels or even decent and respectable. Sometimes they have to be evil or nasty in order to tell the story effectively. I'm all right with it. I think Me we have too. bigger fish to fry. I'm not. Up, I'm not going to get up in arms about a song written in 1987 when we have right. shit happening in 2018 right now. That's actually here hurting on this us, day, i.e., the Trump-Pence administration. Thank you. Next. Well, speaking of faggots, two of our favorites. Uh, graced the ass back on November 10th. Glenn Scarpelli and Stephen Wallum, who are both wonderful actors, are starring in a new movie on Amazon Prime called Sacred Journeys, in which they play a gay couple. And uh, Broadway's Marty Thomas was my co-host when we had these guys on. We played a rousing game of Ask Me No Questions in which both men gave very surprising answers to the question, if your dick were a fruit, what kind of fruit would it be? Ryan, how would you answer that? My dick would be a kiwi. JB? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Mine would be a very small banana. (laughs) Like one of those baby bananas. Yeah. Uh, Also, Stephen Wallum talked to us about living with diabetes and why he hates the movie Steel Magnolias, particularly Julia Roberts' performance. Take a listen to this clip. From episode 71, back on November 10th, 2018. On Nurse Jackie, you played Thor, a nurse living with type 1 diabetes. Not everyone knows that you also live with type, type 1 diabetes. And I read in an interview that you hate Julia Roberts' performance as a diabetic in Steel Magnolias. <laughs> okay, I, well, I, you know, years, I, I don't know if hate is the right word. Shame. I don't, Julia Roberts. No, 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 I don't, <laughs> I don't blame Julia Roberts at all. I'm actually a huge Julia Roberts fan. Just for years, and I used to do, I did an entire show about, um, about being a diabetic and a type 1 diabetic and all the misconceptions that are out there. And what has always bugged me about that particular scene in Steel Magnolias is that I personally, and I have been corrected by other type 1 diabetics since, so I take this back. My experience when I have an insulin reaction, which is what is represented in the famous scene. In the scene, beauty shop. In the beauty juice. shop. She flails about so wildly. She's pulling things out of her hair. That is the complete opposite of what my experience of having a, a uh, insulin reaction is. So what's to me, it, what's it really like? To me, to me, it's you. You you have no energy at all. You are famished. You are hungrier than imagine the hungriest you've ever been, and then multiply that by about ten. And you're sweating. You're disoriented. Um, so the whole when I as a kid when I saw that scene for the first time, and already being a type one diabetic. And sort of like what we mentioned before, there were that was it as far as diabetic characters it being represented on screen. A little bit, but it also kind of pissed me off because I just felt like, well, we never see scenes of diabetic characters ever. And now this is the first time I've ever seen an insulin reaction recreated, and it's completely wrong, in my opinion. I've had a handful of 
type 1 diabetics contact me after those comments and say, well, I do flail about, and I don't I think they're lying. But um, <laughs> but here's the cool thing. Because of the, because of the organization that I was involved with when I was doing um, diabetes awareness a few years ago, and I still have a PSA that's, that's been running forever, um, and I went around the country talking about it, and this particular group contacted Lifetime when they did the remake of Steel Magnolias, and they set up a a phone conversation between me and one of the producers to sort of air my feelings about the original Steel Magnolias and say, and so I had this lovely conversation and said, look, this is, you know, just something to keep in mind when you're doing this remake that the whole flailing about and... (laughs) You know, she practically punched Dolly Parton in the face. Yes, you know, I, remember. I mean, that's, I said, just maybe think about that that's not necessarily representative not authentic. of what, it, yeah. And I watched the remake and I, I thought they did a great job. Well, I say drink your juice, Stevens. Thank you. And now yeah. it's time for everyone's favorite game Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. In the movie, which one of you is the bottom and which one is the top? <laughs> Almost a spit take. I was drinking coffee. <laughs> Uh, I think Mackenzie is the top. Yes. <laughs> Always. The end. Yeah. Always. And you're both bottoms. <laughs> Next to Mackenzie, yes. And, and we're both bottoms. I love that answer, Stephen. <laughs> uh, but, Glenn, did you ever give that thought as you were playing this, uh, the boyfriend of Stephen, which one of you would be the more dominant in bed? I know I did. I don't know about him. <laughs> oh, I know I did, too. No, Stephen would definitely, um, Tom would have definitely topped Marco. Nice. That'll be in yeah. the sequel, I hope. Um, do uh, have either of you ever gotten a hard on while filming a scene? No, not huh. me. Not me either. No, nope. it's so technical. I mean, there and I've I, again, I've really never. I, I have yet to do any sort of real love scene. In a, I got married on Nurse Jackie, which was lovely, but it wasn't a. Which was so incredible, Steve. Yeah, yeah it was, was, but it was such it was incredible. Episode. It wasn't a love scene, love scene. So right, I have yet right. to experience that. But you know, it's so being on a set is so technical that I, I would think it would be very tough to sort of lose yourself. Correction wise, <laughs> I, but I don't know. Glenn, didn't you get a hard on when you were a child and Al Pacino whispered in your ear during a Broadway show? Okay, so yes. What? That did happen. <laughs> what? I believe you, you told us that last time you were on the show. I, I did I did tell you that. So but basically what that was was, you know, in the wings, right before he went on, <laughs> it was dark, there was not a lot of people around. There was this sense of um the the mood was different than you know, 45 people looking at you with lights on, with the camera right there, which is what Steven's referring to. But I was young, and I was exploring, and I was like, you know, I had a huge crush on Al Pacino. That's the bottom line. And I was 12. I mean, the wind blows, you get a heart on it. Very true. Very true. <laughs> and what was, it that he, what was it that he whispered in your ear again? Oh, actually, it wasn't anything, you know, that would have in- encouraged a heart on <laughs> This is Glenn Scarpelli's Me Too moment. Um, he yeah, said, would you like to meet my little friend? <laughs> no, Gross. no, I'm sorry. I went there. I'm sorry. No, don't start rumors. Say hello to my little friend. Right, that's it. My mind going okay. crazy. Question for Stephen. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh, uh, uh, John Krasinski. I'm trying to think of who that is. From The Office? From The Office, Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Glenn? Adam Sank. Oh, I love that answer. Oh, I don't believe it, but I love it. I'm not a celebrity, so I can't be your celebrity Liar. crush. Um, who's the of bi- course 
course you are. What well, are you talking about? I'm famous in dozens of households. <laughs> uh, Glenn, who is the bitchiest actor you've ever worked with? The bitchiest actor? Gosh. Um, I mean, this is going back I I, 35 I've, years. You've been in the business a long time. Yeah, I have to go back. I have to definitely go back. You know, I really, I've worked with so many incredible people. You would think that I would be able to come up with a name really fast, and I really can't. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of bitchy actors that I've worked come with. Come on, when you were on the love boat, Gavin McLeod wasn't an <laughs> asshole. Lauren no, Tweez didn't push you down the stairs. I hate that bit. Charo gave him the business. <laughs> Charo. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of Vicky's real name, but I feel like she would have been mean. What? Who? Vicky. I'm the love boy. I can't think of her real name. <laughs> no, that's Lauren. That's um. No, Lauren Tweez was Julie. That's Joe Whelan. Joe Whelan. There you go. Yeah. Oh, see, you Glenn's friends other. with every child star. Of course, We're best he is. friends still to this day. I just, love that. She just texted me the other day. She's going to be at Chiller next week in in New Jersey. For anybody out there that wants to go to Chiller, go. Come on, random plug. Vote with Jill. All right, Stephen. I'm, I'm going to pass on that, dude. I don't have an answer for you. You're yet. too nice a person, Stephen. Who's the bitchiest actor you've ever worked with? I'm hoping it's Edie Falco. Yeah. Oh, she's a nightmare. <laughs> no, she is. She was a number one on my quite the opposite. She's the best person to work with. Period. <sighs> Um, bitchy, you know, I, I don't, oh, it's oh hard. Goodness. Yeah, no, I know. Is that, how is that for your listeners? Um, how hard is it? That, I, not quite the same, but I had a mis, misperception of somebody who came on the show who it is since I, I was so excited when Rosie Perez came on the show, she was a guest on her show and I went up to introduce myself and she was nice, but a, a little cool, a Frosty. little st- just, and I'm so excited when anybody comes on, and I'm not sure she actually knew that I was even a regular on the show because the truth is we're all dressed in scrubs and there's a million background right, actors you could be too. An extra, I've gotten that a lot. I got that from catering. Seriously, catering yelled at me once because they thought it was That's <laughs> they thought it was an extra taking Stop the food from the, the food. Room. Yeah, it's not. It's <laughs> totally the truth. So, so Rosie just kind of gave you the cold shoulder. She didn't give me that. She just was. I wanted her to be more excited about about meeting me, and she went in the middle of the conversation. And I was disappointed. And then I in my, know who you are. In my yeah, in my brain, I'm like, oh, she's not very nice. Well, but then we were in hair and makeup together for the next week, and she's lovely. She's just not one of those like me. Who's like, oh my god, I'm so happy to. Meet you. She's just a she's little chill. more low. She's chill, and I have since seen her many That's times. That's how Marty Thomas is, and I love yeah. it. Yeah, I got the cold shoulder from Marty when I walked Marty, in. Marty, bitchiest actor you've ever worked with? Adam Sank. Oh, come on. Oh. <laughs> That's not nice. Is that when you two did on Golden Pond together? Yes, <laughs> basically. The, we're doing we, the remake. We, Hi, this is Glenn Scarpelli from the old classic television show One Day at a Time, and I got to tell you what makes me happiest around the holidays. The ass. That's right. Happy holidays, everybody. Love you, Adam. Thank you, Glenn Scarpelli. I love you so much. I love you, and my ass loves you. Um, Here's a a holiday story that caught my eye, you guys, because it took place very close to where I grew up. My hometown is Summit, New Jersey. This happened in Montville, New Jersey. A substitute teacher found herself in hot water after she told her classroom of of first graders that there was no Santa Claus. Bitch. This happened at Cedar... <laughs> this happened at Cedar Hill School. Uh, the principal sent home a letter to parents warning them about the incident. This happened back in late November. One of the parents, Lisa Simek, or Simic, posted this on Facebook about her daughter, Amelia. 
This was Amelia's class today. A substitute teacher asked the kids which holiday was coming up, and when somebody answered Christmas, she proceeded to just completely unleash on them. <clears throat> she told them Santa isn't real, and parents just buy presents and put them under their tree. She told them reindeer can't, <laughs> reindeer can't fly and elves are not real. Elf on the shelf is just a pretend doll that your parents move around. She, did not, she didn't even stop there. She told them the tooth fairy is not real because mom or dad just sneak into your room in the middle of the night and put money under your pillow. Same goes for the Easter bunny. She told them magic does not exist. Yo, that uh, is a she, bitter lady. Yeah, How dare you come for magic? To, magic is real. That's lady. a grinch. She honey. needs love and light because she needs a good she dick is hurting. Down. She needs Jesus. Who hurt you, substitute teacher in New Jersey? Someone needs to give you a good dick down, and maybe you'll feel better about life. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, she. Uh, so then the mother went on to say, a grown woman tried to crush our six-year-old spirit along with the spirits of the other twenty-two kids in the first grade class. Many of us parents have been doing damage control since the kids got home from school today, but coming from an adult. This is definitely the kind of seed, <laughs> seed, that was planted deep inside of their skeptical, perceptive, and inquisitive minds. She she finished her Facebook post saying, "Praying for a Christmas magic miracle to keep these kids believers for as long as possible." My feelings are this: no one should tell anyone, no no adult should tell any child that Santa does not exist. A child, a terrible child. <laughs> a child should discover it on their own. That's how I, I I found out. I learned that Santa was not real based on just like discovering, a, seeing my mom, you know, put it under the tree, whatever. Until that moment, because it's inevitable that like you're gonna realize one day that it's, it's not real. But until then, just let children enjoy being children and let them feel their fantasy and don't be an asshole. Well, we were we I never believed in Santa because we were Jewish. You're Jewish. And uh, my parents just made it very clear from those, the earliest of memories that uh, it was bullshit. However, when I was growing up, there would be an ad on TV during Christmas where you could call Santa and talk to him. It was one of those 976 numbers, which is like $3 a minute. And you, and so, of course, I would call. And it'd be like, yo-ho-ho, ho, it's mm -hmm. Santa. Thank you for calling. It was just a recording. Right. Complete waste of money. And then they would freak out that I had wasted money. Calling Santa, who whom I knew was not real. Uh, anyway, the principal wrote in the letter, I immediately spoke to the substitute teacher regarding her poor judgment in making this proclamation. Um, I'm sending this letter so you are aware of the situation. If the conversation comes up over the next few days, you can take appropriate steps to maintain the childhood innocence of the holiday season. Uh, the substitute teacher um, may... They, they won't comment whether or not she'll continue working in the building, but the district is fully investigating the incident. Um, but some commenters uh, on this story stuck up for the substitute teacher, saying people should leave her alone. Quote, leave the teacher alone. At most, just speak to her as an aside. Neither side is right or wrong here. I guess we all have our own opinions on it, and the debate will probably go on for days. That's the most useless comment ever. Useless. I'm sorry that I read it. I'll never get that time back. Well, if what you asked Santa for this year was a big dick up your ass, then you should definitely talk to Dr. Evan Goldstein, Ask Doctor to the Stars. Ryan, you were co-hosting with me. I was. When we had Dr. Goldstein on, and we actually discussed your horse-hung high school boyfriend. Yes. And your ability to take that big pole like a champ. God, I wish I still had it in me. Literally in you. Oh! Dr. G also talked about how Botox can help relax your hole. 
and just how big a dick anyone should take. Take a listen to this clip from episode 66 back on October 6, 2018. What's the biggest dick that a person can or should have up his ass? Because, I, you know, I, I have friends that have toys that are just ridiculously large, and I always think you're going to damage yourself. I think the reality is, is that... Yeah, there's a lot. It's multifactorial. People's pelvises, the size of what, you know, the capacity can actually take. I think the issue that we Every always, ass is different. Every hole is different. Every hole is That's special. the beauty of my business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with it, the problem is, is that people think that you can go from nothing to that big fucking thing and just take it. And I used that's to just, think that. And that just doesn't happen. I mean, that's why I have a business, right? You know, mm. people get injured that way. So I think... If someone wants to get that big, it's a gradual process. Some people can't even get there, and they need me to help them, either to kind of dilate surgically so I can kind of get them more relaxed, or the use of Botox, which allows for kind of that full relaxation. A lot of people also- Botox helps you take bigger dick? Yeah, and so like for instance, I see a lot of clients that come to me who are really seasoned bottoms, and they're dating someone that's new, and their cock is fucking huge. Wow. And with that being said, oh, I said the word. Hung like a donkey. <laughs> so, and they can't get there. And, and, it, and it obviously crimps the relationship, right? Yes. I mean, and so when people come to me, we talk about certain techniques that they can do to get there on their own. And sometimes it doesn't work. And then they need me to kind of do that. Um, and so the people that you see with those huge, huge cocks um, or toys, it just takes time. It takes practice. And then on the other side, it's, it can be detrimental, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I think that understanding what we can do if you want to take that, how do we train it as a muscle that it can go back to what it's supposed to so that you can do this for long times? But even without the training, are there some men who are just physiologically better at taking dick than others? Because it seems to me that there is. Yes. I think, and again, I think it's a lot of the, the people that I see are much more seasoned, a little bit older. Um, a little bit more muscular, oh. um, you know, kind of like you, Ed. Yeah, <laughs> all except the muscular part. I'm mean, <laughs> definitely seasoned and older. But but um, but so but <clears throat> even as it, let's say there's two 25 year old guys who are relatively new to well that's too old. Let's say two 18 year old <laughs> men. Don't come for 25 year olds. Okay, I could take dick real well, any size, any time, any place. Thank you very much. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> oh, no, excuse man, us. I offended Who's JB. that guy? <laughs> JB's our associate producer. Hi. <laughs> Um, two 18 year old guys, you know, barely had any anal sex. Can one of them just naturally be better at it? Yes. But I think a lot of that again is multifactorial, but a lot of people are just able to relax appropriately, um, and or train themselves in a way to do that. When you see the seasoned bottoms, a lot of them are starting very early. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the 16-year-old cock is not huge, right? And so they're kind of gradually dilating themselves. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 14, as that's when I lost my virginity, my boyfriend was 16, and he was eight and a half inches thick. Wow. I Thick? Took well, no, like he was eight and a half inches and thick. Oh, and thick. Not eight and a right. half. <laughs> I took his dick with no lube, and it was, in my memory, very easy. Much easier than it would be today for me. So, what happened to my hole? 
Oh my god, I don't know. I think we, I think that's more like a forty minute visit yeah. in my office. <laughs> Why honestly. can't I take dick like that anymore? <laughs> you can't take dick. I think again, I it's like you see the kids on the you. street. You, uh, you see the kids on the street that get run over by a car, and all of a sudden they bounce right back. Yeah, that was you at sixteen. <laughs> Or maybe you just wanted it so much because some of it's got to be psychological, yeah, right? I know a lot that when I'm is. super turned on, I'm a much better bottom than when I'm kind of like, eh. so let's talk about that. Let's talk about tips for being uh, first a better bottom and then for being a better top. And when I say better, I mean uh, pleasing yourself and your partner. Sure. I mean, I think one of the first things is practice. You know, it's a muscle, right? So mm -hmm. it's like anything. If you're not going to use it, you lose it, I tell people. So the bottoms that bottom frequently every week, right. a couple times a week, um, are really able to continue on that process. The people that are like these verse top guys that say they're verse, but they're never really bottoming, um, they get a lot of injury just because they're not kind of constantly using it. So if you're going through times where you're not having anal, you need to dilate. So just put some, you know, anal butt plugs near the shower, right before you shower, just a couple of minutes of kind of anal play to kind of allow you. And a lot of that is that mental capacity where you're kind of learning and training. There are people that you top where they're able to completely open their hole yeah. and accept you from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people can actually do that. Um, can you do that, Ed? No. <laughs> I can't do it. Definitely not. No. I always say like, slow, 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 <laughs> like whenever we start. And then... You know, as I said, if it's really, if I'm into it, then I'm like, all right, go for it. Right. right. I need I, 90 seconds at least. 90 seconds of slow and like, and then I am. But some, some tips to do that is like, if you can, pre-dilate. So like the guy's coming over, you know you're going to be the bottom in that position. Right. You know, using some butt plugs, using, using like uh, lube shooters are awesome because they kind of lubricate the entire canal. Ooh. They're like basically like a syringe that you shoot up your ass. Wow. And, and I endorse those because the problem is, is that people are just so inclined to use spit or like the guy just puts a little bit on his cock and then tries to stick it in and it's like, dude, chill, chill the fuck out. But some people know? think spit is actually the best lube. Right. You're here to say no. No, no, it's not. Yeah, it's I, not at all. Um, there's some really good lubes. I out mean, that was the original lube for yeah. many of us. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. But I think, you know, trying to analyze your hole specifically and figuring out how do you train it just like you go to the gym and train any other muscle. There are days that you want to kind of contract that muscle. And then there are days that you want to kind of relax that. And the people that are doing that frequently or are attuned to their body can actually accept what they want when they want and really allow it to be a long-lasting situation it sounds to me like there's definitely a physical and a psychological component to it totally a hundred percent and the mental capacity is a lot what i deal with you know a lot of it is trying to kind of prove to people that you know when you're in the operating room and i can kind of see how open can you actually go that there are people that can go completely open but the second that they're awake mentally they're completely tight and spastic in that area, right? right? And so it's kind of- I think of, I'm tight and spastic. I think you may. I, I don't know you that well, but I think you're <laughs> definitely spastic. What are some things that a top can do to, to make this experience more pleasant for his partner? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, the same is communication. We talk a lot about that. And obviously, you don't know in the beginning stages of uh, you know a hookup or whatnot. But I think, one, the best tops are bottoms because they can kind of understand all right, the initial entry and what's the right way to do it. I think a better tip on the bottom side is the initial should be the control of the bottom. 
So really making sure that like you're in a position so that if the top doesn't actually know what they're doing, that you're in control enough so that you could prevent injury. You mean like sitting on it? Yeah. I think the pre-dilation, the pre-lubrication, and then you saying, all right, just lay there. Let me kind of get in and kind of you being able to maneuver the cock to get it where you want to. And then once you're in that rhythm and it's kind of opened up and ready to go, then you can kind of go that route. But as a good top, it's that initial entry, right? When you're like, dude, 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 slow the fuck down. You know, it's right. like, like you shouldn't necessarily, if the top knows what he's doing, it should be that kind of understanding that there's three sets of muscles that are there. You have to relax every one of those. Each one relaxes at a different time. And so that entry of like, when you say slow, 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 it's trying to get each muscle to kind of slowly relax. And if you're a good top, go in a little bit, hold it there, kind of, don't move, let it kind of relax a little bit, pop back out, re-lubricate, do it again, and kind of getting into the cycle of you know that technique. Happy holidays from Kevin Israel to the ass show. Adam Sank in 2019, I think it's time that I finally come out and tell you what you've always been thinking. I miss you, but I'm still straight and you're never gonna have me. But I do look forward to another year of inappropriate sexual harassment that would violate every company's HR policy. Guys, have a great year. Have a great show. And I can't wait to come back on. Take care. Thank you, Kevin Israel. I love you. And I will have you. In the new year. You know how I said I was going to meet my husband in 2019? It's, it's Kevin Israel. Him. Even though he's already married to a woman, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Women leave come their... Some sort of agreement. Men leave their wives for men all the time. Um... So, you guys are familiar with the song, The 12 Days of Christmas. Of course. So, every year, there's a group called uh, PNC. Uh, I'll figure out what that stands for in a moment. Uh, it's the, they do what's called a Christmas price index, where they figure out how much it would cost to send all of the gifts mentioned in the 12 days of Christmas. Hmm. Uh, the headline is, Geese Soar, Gold Lays an Egg. Costs, costs jump 1.2% after three years of stagnant growth. Uh, to purchase the gifts included in 12 Days of Christmas, uh, it'll cost 1.2% more than it did in 2017. The PNC Christmas Price Index this year was $39,094.93. The price of six geese laying in particular was up 8.3%. Uh, but the rings dropped. The five gold rings fell 9% due to less demand and fluctuations in gold prices throughout 2018. Um, lagging wages started to catch up in a tight labor market, which made the Lords of Leaping, the Pipers Piping, and the Drummers Drumming become more expensive. They all uh, saw a cost increase of between 3 and 3.5%. Um, as part of its annual tradition, PNC tabulates the cost of Christmas, um, there are 364 gifts mentioned in this. I don't understand how they figured this out, though, because you can't give someone like 12 drummers drumming and nine ladies dancing. I mean, I guess you could rent them. Right. And that's what they're basing it on is the cost of the rental. Like base, yeah, like like what their, their fee is to have a group of... Uh, how many, how many dancers? I like forget. I actually hate this song to be so quite honest. So it's, uh, it's 12 drummers drumming, 11 pipers piping, 10 lords of leaping. leaping. Who, what is, I don't even know what that is. What the fuck is a lord of leaping? Uh, you know, giving you. Nine ladies dancing, eight maids, eight maids of milking. milking. Again, how are you going to buy eight maids of milking? Right. 
Um, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five gold rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, doves and, and a, a partridge in a pear tree. Do either of you care what any of this costs? No. Next. <laughs> Thank you. Next. <laughs> Thank you. Next. I thought this story would have more, uh, would hold more interest. I mean, the idea of it is, is kind of nerdy and interesting, but... You know I like nerdy shit. Yeah, you're a nerd. Anyway, we won't do that again next year. But one man who understands the true meaning of Christmas is my good friend, John Fugelsang. Uh, Jay, my friend Jay, was my co-host on the day that we had John on. John is a legendary comedian and the host of his own daily radio show on Sirius XM Insight. And of course, uh, my first ask me no question for him was, how big is your Fugelsang? And he told us. He also talked to us about homophobia and how it is completely inconsistent with the teachings of Jesus and how his own religious beliefs inform his politics and vice versa. Take a listen to John Fugelsang on the ass from episode 73 back on November 24th, 2018. You are uh, someone, you belong to a category of, of, of which we are in short supply these days, and that is you are a true left-wing Christian. I, I don't, I, I aspire to be a true left-wing Christian. I don't, what does that I don't mean? Think I am. Uh, I, you know, I don't really, I think people should identify however they want to identify. And, and I, I kind of say, uh, I aspire to be liberal and I aspire to be Christian. Hmm. You, think, think, you don't think you're there yet. Oh, you think no. It's a, it's a no, constant I think, I think you're to, always trying to, I think you're always trying to get there. I mean, that's the whole struggle in the society. The whole, str- the, the whole struggle in our whole society is still moving forward versus the past. We were, at colonial days, one third of us were revolutionaries who wanted a whole new system. One third of us were conservative loyalists and one third of us didn't give a damn and just were checked out watching Kardashians or whatever they did. And uh, hasn't changed much. So, you know, that struggle is the same struggle in, in yourself. Bob, Bob Dylan said he not busy being born is busy dying. And I kind of feel like, you know, a lot of people who brag about being Christian, I think are actually what I call evangelical supremacists. Right. They don't really care about what Jesus taught. They care about the fact that God thinks they're better than you. You know, and they I know God thinks they're better than you. I work for a large left wing Christian denomination. That's my day job. And um, people, gay people say to me all the time, like, how can you work for, for them? Aren't they? homophobic and i'm like no no they're christian they're christians they have openly gay pastors and they have rainbow flags on their church website and, but th- and that's in the, front of their church and this is why i do the, this is why i do what, what makes all my agents so angry because you know i don't hear anyone else talking about it i mean the fact is homophobia is inconsistent with the gospels homophobia is inconsistent with the teachings of this guy jesus you claim to follow and it's kind of inconsistent with Paul. Paul was a dick, but he was more misogynist than he was a homophobe. Uh, Romans, I could bore you all day with the letters of Paul and how they've been misinterpreted. I've gotten several letters from Paul myself. I bet you have a lot of letters from Paul. I bet you there's a lot of Pauls. Um, and it's probably a few Pablos, too. <laughs> but, you know, the Bible, like there's one, there's, there's one or two passages in the entire Bible that you could cite to say that God used to have a problem with gay people. But if you take the Bible as literal fact, then you cannot be a homophobe. You're not allowed. This is why I love John Fugelsang. We are gonna- by the way, I'll debate that with anybody. Yeah, no, I know you will, and that's what makes you... Because I know all seven passages they use inside and out, and the, the 20th century translations of 2,000-year-old Greek words that they use to try to make it seem like male temple Roman prostitute is consensual gay adult. Right. 
John, we're going to lighten things up considerably now and play everyone's favorite game, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. You are of Danish... So nice being a guest on a show. Isn't it fun? You don't have to do anything. You are. I get to sit here and be hungover. You are of Danish, German, and Irish descent. So exactly how big is your fugal saying? Let me unspool it and I'll measure. <laughs> I'm assuming so it's big. It's got a knee in it. It's huge. <laughs> what What's the gayest experience you've ever had other than being on this show? <laughs> and having me on your show. What does that mean, the gayest well, experience? Well, have you ever experimented? Was there ever a kiss? Was there ever a BJ? Was no. there? Did you ever explore that side of yourself? Um, I, let me, I, I, I did a, uh, a, a love boat reunion cruise with gavin mcleod that's pretty gay but i mean you're a very hello john it's nice to see you thank you gavin it's a pleasure to see you as well thank you i'm so glad you came on the love boat reunion cruise well thank you gavin is there a reason you're wearing the costume right now (laughs) hey this is joanne filan and you're listening to the best of ass holiday special normally i'm not one to celebrate ass but then again i've been known to cancel plans because it was my cat's birthday so don't look to me for judgment and happy holidays. Thank you, Joanne Filan. I love you. I love her. Love her. She's my, one of my favorite. I almost said she's my favorite lesbian, but I think uh, Romaine wouldn't have been too pleased to hear that. Yeah. So I'll say she's one of my favorite lesbians. In the top three. Yes, absolutely. She's right up there with Romaine Patterson and Wanda Sykes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I know that uh, many of you during... Christmas and New Year's uh, spend a lot of time on Grinder. Yes. I'm looking at you, Ryan. I'm on it right now. Are you really? Well, not right now, but... How dare you? No, because what happens is people go home for the holidays. They travel. Um, often they leave a big city where they live to go to some podunk place. And late at they night, find that dick. after the family's asleep, they got to find that dick. I know. So I thought it would be instructive and helpful to bring you this from QueerTea.com. It's the 10 annoying grinder types that make us go, huh? And what the fuck? <laughs> we, all know about, we all know about no fats, no femmes, and the racist, ageist, and other nonsensical grinder types like straight acting and all that shit. Um, but what about other archetypes that you see every time you log on? Here are 10 that you need to watch out for. I have encountered all 10 of these. You guys feel free to chime in at any point. Number one is the secret escort. Mm. Also known as trainer, great hands, or generous, question mark. The secret escort usually hides behind some other profession with a hot pick and profile listing his professional experience and then a sentence not looking for sex. Hello? No sooner does gr- do, no sooner do grinder administrators catch up with these guys and delete their profiles than they are back with a new account. First of all, I had a little fucker, because he was like 19 years old, texting me, showing me his penis, like, would you pay money for this dick? No, little boy, I would not pay money for dick. Go away. Then... His profile got deleted and instead tried it again. I'm like, did we not just have a conversation? I told you I'm not not $50, not $20, not $5 and for your whack-ass dick. And when he sends that to you, he's sending it to a thousand other people at the same yeah, time. Like, he's just blanketing. I have not been asked to pay for someone else's services, but I have been asked to be a sugar baby multiple times. I'm and jealous. I've considered it. Nice. Super jealous. Yeah, but... I mean, A, no, I would not do that. B, 
they're like never attractive. They're always like sugar baby is about the right. It's not about attraction, baby. You gotta learn the rules. Yeah, but baby. like, and if you don't take that, they don't have to be like hot, but they can't be like repulsive. I need to, I need to like take money from someone that you if know. the buddy is good, girl, does <laughs> Number two Pull is the married guy. You know the type. He's married to the perfect man. They couldn't be happier. His adorable puppy is on the roll of photos that he shares with you. And here's the kicker. Half the time he doesn't even want to meet. He just can't resist looking. And God forbid you ask what he's into or send him a photo. Instant block. He's far too devoted to the hubby to allow such behavior. Even though his profile lists all of his stats, including favorite position and unprintable requests. He's both passive and aggressively irritating. I, I know this. Yeah. Never met my person. No. The aggressor. You get all excited because you hear click, 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 and your grinder notices, and you think, well, I'm really popular tonight. Then you look and find 17 photos of the same guy's insides. Yep. Even if he's 20 miles away, he can almost always come over right now, gets mad if you don't respond within a minute, and keeps sending more photos before you have a chance to block him. Right. If you're lucky, you'll get at least one sup in the mix. And then the best part is you get like 10 pictures of his hole and then you don't respond and then he gets all mad and then the next day he tries again Mm -hmm. as if like you forgot that any of that happened that he exists and because he forgot because he forgot because he was probably in it i'm so glad i'm not on these apps anymore Mm. i I, I don't feel pretty enough because not a lot of these not a lot of these things happen to me except for like the terrible stuff you're plenty pretty jp thank you number four is the storyteller This guy generally has a nice face and a hot body, so you go to check out his profile description, and three hours later, (laughs) after finishing what makes War and Peace seem like beach reading, you're exhausted from his list of needs. Mostly, it's what he doesn't need. Men who write short sentences, men who send unsolicited photos, men who live too far, men who just want to hook up, men who use acronyms. I remember these guys clearly, Mm -hmm. and as soon as I would see one of these, instant turnoff. If you're if you need to talk that much about yourself in a grinder bio, right? Can you imagine how tedious you must be in person? My grind bio, my grinder bio is simple. Either I'm on here for sex or just to casually talk. If I come find out, just that's mine, what it says. Yeah, I like that. Just just that simple. Mine literally just says sit on my face. Yes, queen. <laughs> that's it. Yes, queen. Keep you know, it simple. What I like sweet. about you, Ryan, is that you know how to express your needs. Yes. The next guy is the party guy with T capitalized. Oh, God. The party guy is calling you when the ping hits at five in the morning, followed by several X-rated photos, his location, and a, quote, need it now urgent message. He doesn't ask for your photos or seem to care what your sexual preferences are. (laughs) If he's hot, too bad. The romance goes out the phone when you say, no, I don't party, at least not with the uppercase T. Want to chat? Here's another response to a party request. Is there a cake? (laughs) block never to be heard from again party poopers number six is the distant dreamer this guy has brought long distance love affairs back in fashion let's say you live in georgia and he lives in detroit but that doesn't stop him from finding you wooing you and saying you're the hottest man he's ever seen on this otherwise useless app can he have your digits when you remind him that it's unlikely you'll be in detroit anytime soon he's not deterred There are daily taps and new photos and updates on your incredible beauty. Eventually, the messages cease to exist, as does he. (laughs) Most likely, his therapist helped him in his unavailability issues. Still, the end of a romance is a cause for the vapors. Number seven is the grinder interruptus. 
You never actually chat with this guy because he blocks you before you've read any of his messages. <laughs> because you don't read his first ping immediately while you're doing some menial task like brushing your teeth, he sends you 15 more, first saying interested and then question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, followed by nasty comments about how your rudeness is a sad reflection on gay men in today's world. And besides, you're ugly and old. Goodbye. Honestly, it's like people take it way too seriously. But that's happened to you, right? Of course. Greg Scarnici was just posting about this on Facebook, how, you know, he'll get a grinder message at like three in the morning when he's asleep. Yeah. And then and by the time he's woken up, the guy's like, fuck you, you piece of shit. You think you're so hot. It's like he wasn't even on. I am never offended if so, if I reach out to someone and they don't respond, I'm not offended. It's it doesn't matter. These it's not re, it's not real. Like it's not, there's nothing to be invested in. I mean, if I have sex with someone and it, I think it's really good, and then they ghost on me, then I'll be offended. But if you've never met this person, they don't owe you anything. Like yes, it could you, it would be courteous to be like you know what I'm not interested, but it's just it's just not that important. It's not that serious. He's just not that into you. Exactly. Number eight is the mixed messenger. His profile picture shows a faceless guy in tight, tight jeans from the back, and his profile name is Dates Only. Oh, this yeah. Yeah. this one annoys me the fucking most. Yeah, he finds you first. He sends pics. He insists you're just his type, and he wants to get to know you. He's charming as all get out. There's only one hitch: when you finally pick a time and a place, he's not free ever. Mm -hmm. But he still won't go away. You'll get daily pings, new pics, new expressions of lust, new requests to meet. Sometimes he'll even say he's free now, but then he logs off for six hours. This was kind of me and Scott Hernandez when we first met. Oh, yeah. Like, I think we were kind of doing it to each other. We, we met on Grindr, mm -hmm. but we did not meet in real life for another six months. And the punchline is we live across the street from each other. <laughs> All that time. And when we did finally meet, it was by accident. Right. So interesting. I have been that guy and I have met that guy. Mm -hmm. And finally, number 10 is the not that kind of job buddy guy. He's new to the city. He's looking for career opportunities. <laughs> he needs a roommate. He's networking. He's looking for everything but sex. We get it. Life is tough and Grindr's a place to find gay men like yourself. But here's the rub. Not only is he half naked in his profile pic, Ugh. but he's also appalled appalled if you expressed interest or suggest meeting yeah it's like if you're looking for a roommate then a don't thirsty thoughty picture of yourself yeah. it just don't want you're sending mixed messages I, I had this experience on facebook not too long ago there is a gay i don't even know if he's still doing comedy he was doing comedy for at one point Lives in my neighborhood, very sexy. I had met him in person a few times. We'd perform together, and then I would see him on the street, and I'd always wave to him. And we were Facebook friends, and his Facebook profile pic is a very sexy picture of like him, I think, like wearing a bathing suit. He has a great body. So I, I DM'd him, and I was like, hey, would you, love to, would you like to go out sometime and get dinner? It wasn't sleazy. I wasn't like, hey, you know, I want to suck your dick, which I have said, mm -hmm. but not to him. I was actually asking for a date, and he was like, um, I think you know by my postings that I don't date anymore, that I'm, I'm done with men. And I was like, okay, I kind of thought that was just like a, a joke, like a bit that you were doing. And he's like, no, I'm totally done with men. I'm not dating. I'm not having sex. I'm over it. And I was like, okay. I said, you know, 
your profile pic is very sexy. I imagine that you get a lot of these kinds of messages from people like me who are looking for a date or sex. You might want to change that pic. Right. Well, then I got a rant. He let you have it, About how darling. it is not his responsibility to, you know, moderate my sexual appetite. And just because he wants to look sexy in a picture doesn't mean he's looking for sex. And that's what a rapist does. And Papa, and I was Whoa, just like, he hit all the wrong right? points at all but, the wrong But don't times. you agree with me? If you're not, if you want no attention from men, do not put do not, a thirst trap picture. What that's, are you doing? Yeah. I blocked his ass. I was Good. like, not only do yeah. I not want to date you, if that were an option, <laughs> I don't want you in my life at all. You're a piece of shit. But if you do want to date me. This is such a good Christmas show, isn't it? It really is. Such I love a... I love the holidays. I love the holidays too. Well the holidays. The holy, no, the the holy, holy days. That's all year long. One of my favorite guests, you guys, in all of twenty eighteen was Shakina Nafak. Oh, she's amazing. AK- I'm so jealous I wasn't here. You missed it. She's now just Shakina, by the way. Um, Chris Harder was co hosting that day and we had so much fun. Didn't you think, JB? Yeah, she was great. I loved her. She's a an actress best known for the show Difficult People on Hulu, and she's also a trans activist. And, like, just someone who seems so comfortable in her own skin. She's so confident. She's really outspoken. And she's funny as fuck. Here uh, she talks to us about which one of us, me, Chris, or JB, she'd rather bang if she had to bang one of us. <laughs> no. <laughs> and also how she feels about non-trans actors playing trans roles. This was Shakina back on episode 74 December 1st, 2018. Shakina, we talk about this on the show a lot. How do you feel? What's your position on uh, non-trans actors playing trans characters? Get the fuck out of the way. Don't do it. Yeah, just get the fuck mm-hmm. out of the way. We need money. We need jobs. We need to see each other on screen and stage. Yeah, get the fuck out of the way. How about straight actors playing gay? You know, it's complicated um, because in the same way that like we need the representation and so many gay actors are forced to play straight, you, like I would love to see a world in which like people just are themselves in in these jobs. Um, I also question how many of those quote straight actors playing gay might actually be not see, disclosing their identities see, in some way. Sure. That's my that was my point when we talked about this last time. It's like now you're basically forcing people to come out in order to justify their fitness for a role. Right. You don't, you shouldn't have to come out. You, you, your sexuality is private if you want it to be. Yeah. But then I kind of feel the same way about gender identity. So maybe like, are we outing people or are we saying like you either live as an out trans person or you cannot play this role? I mean, you've seen trans people on film that you didn't know were trans. Exactly. So, you know, like, yeah, I think that in this political moment where representation is so crucial because there are like laws and policy being passed to oppress us, there are trans women, especially trans women of color being like killed constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this political moment insists that we have accurate representation because it's a matter of life and death. But, and, and like, and I think that was true when like gay theater started in the late seventies and early eighties and through the AIDS epidemic, it was like so important that we had, um, people coming out and, and gay stories being told with gay people. But n- like there's been a, a massive assimilation of gayness, especially like white male gayness. And right. so I think there's like, I mean, yes, everyone needs the jobs. All the actors need the jobs. So the there's like always going to be an economic reality to it, but the stakes of representation are less significant than they are for trans people. Right Absolutely. Now. I feel like that's such an important distinction to make personally as a performer. Cause there's times where I think like, well, 
part of acting or performing is becoming this other person, but the context that we live in, again, I absolutely agree, demands that the representation should be authentic. You know, it right. should be authentic voices. Uh, um, we got, I'm sorry, we only have like three minutes. <laughs> we have to play Ask Me No Questions. Yes. Me we'll no continue questions. that conversation no next time. Yeah. All right, Shakina, name your favorite trans celebrity and your least favorite trans celebrity. Oh, shade. <laughs> um, okay, least favorite, Caitlyn Jenner. Obvious um, answer. Most favorite, uh, MJ Rodriguez. Oh, good answer. Genital piercing, pro or con? Uh, Cock piercing, no clip piercing, sure. Interesting. I think I, I think I agree, Chris. You have a taint oh, pierce, right? I do, but I'm all about the dick. I really want a cock piercing. I just have but... seen so many like low hanging fruit. You know, like just like what that cock ring does to a dick over time is not cute. Oh yeah. And I don't know what to do with it in my mouth. It choke. It gets just, in the way. Yeah, the teeth chipping. It I don't seems want like it in my ass. I'm not. Yeah. But I'm all about a taint piercing. That seems cool. It's Thanks. like super center of gravity anchored. You know, yeah. I love that. I feel very sensitive. You've had right one now. for years, right, Chris? I have. Yeah. Do you sometimes hang things from it? I no fruit Maybe like on Sukkot. Um, Shakina, what is your dream role? Oh, there's a few of them, but um, in this moment that you're asking me, I think um, Miss Hannigan and Annie or Audrey and Little Shop or both in red. I can see you as both. I also think you'd make an interesting Lily St. Regis and Annie. Oh, sure. Maybe Lily now and then Miss Hannigan in like 10 years. Exactly. You're way too young to be Miss Hannigan. Um, Who's your celebrity crush? Oh, God, that's so hard. I always just like fall back on Mark Ruffalo because it's like an easy ass. It's like a, you know, there. Right. Yeah. You like sensitive men. I like sensitive men. Yeah. Like I was just watching some film um, with my boyfriend that Mark Ruffalo was in. And I just like every scene he was in, I was like, look at him. <laughs> my boyfriend was maybe getting jealous. I don't know. See, I like dumb slabs of beef like Channing Tatum. It's, that's more my I type. just like, it's I like, wouldn't know what to do. I'd just be like, shut up. I would climb that tree. If you ran into Mike Pence at Starbucks later today, what would you say to him? Um, I would probably just trip and spill my coffee on him. <laughs> Scalding hot, preferably. Yeah. yeah. Greatest musical of all time? Carolina Change. Oh, my God. Oh, oh I love yes. Carolina Change. That's like one yeah. of my top five. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know that's back in London. I can't. It's, I know, yes. And I want a Broadway revival because I didn't get to see it the first time. Yeah. I was just talking. Let me just pick up this name. I was, Please. Um, yes. I was yes. just talking to Tanya Pinkins. And, <gasps> and she wrote to them and uh, she wrote to them and was like, hey, it, like, I would love to like perform in London. And um, they didn't write back. Whoa. What? So, Big mistake. Who the hell are they? Huge. Fuck them. Um, what's the one food you'll never put in your mouth? Shrimp, I'm allergic. Ooh, Good oh answer. No. If you had that... to bang one of us, me, Chris, or JB, <laughs> who would you choose? Wow, that's great. Um, how tall are all of you? 5'11". 5'11". Oh, shit. Six foot. Ooh. Hey. Ah! <laughs> you like the tall guys. I like to feel dainty, and I'm 6'2". So, oh, yeah. I didn't even realize you were that tall. I'm giant. But I can I never like... tell how tall actors are, because you see them on screen, and it's like, who knows? Yeah. Right. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. It's so sad that I don't know the words to that. This is Irene Bramas, and I just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Please continue to tune into Adam Sank's fantastic podcast, Ask, because he has the finest one, sweeties. And I want to wish you all a very happy holiday and a ho, 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 coming from the biggest one, sweeties. Happy New Year. Mwah. Thank you, Irene Bremis. We love you, and we love your breasts. Happy holidays to you. Uh, finally, you guys, our last guest clip is from one of my icons from childhood, 
Allison Arngram, who played Nellie Olson on Little House on the Prairie. I still can't believe sometimes that I have this podcast where I get to talk to people like Allison Arngram and Glenn Scarpelli, like people who I watched every week as a child and fantasized that I would someday know them. Like now I get to talk to them. It's crazy. And Glenn and I are actual friends. Anyway, Allison, who was on this show because of Glenn, like he mm-hmm. told her she should do it. She was so sweet. And she and Ryan uh, and I talked about what it was like for her growing up as a famous villain. You know, because she was like the most famous child villain of all yeah. times. Um, as well as, you know, she had to do her own dangerous stunts on Little House on the Prairie and like right. almost died once from one of them. And we also asked about her relationship with other child stars. Take a listen to Allison Arngram on the ass from episode 62 back on September 8th, 2018. I am thrilled to have you on the show. And I want to thank our. Oh, mu- thank you. Thrilled. I want to thank our mutual friend, Glenn Scarpelli, for. Uh, Glenn Scarpelli is like the nicest person ever. Oh, my God. But for those of you listening going, what? One day at a time. Glenn Scarpelli, awesome person. The best. We've had him on the show. And uh, it's it's so funny to me how so many uh, former child stars know one another, even if you were on totally different shows. And it, 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 a long time ago... We didn't all hang out as much. I mean, unless you, you know, Battle of the Network stars, Toys for Tots, mm-hmm. telethons, you know, we would meet at things as kids. And there was also the famous casting room at Screen Gems where every kid actor came in for TV movies and so people would see each other. But we didn't hang out too much. But in the last few years, because of things like Paul Peterson's Minor Consideration and Child Stars, people having problems, we sort of united, and now there's, like, secret Facebook pages where, like, all the child stars can, like, talk to each other and stuff. So now it's great. Everybody's, like, back in touch with everybody, which is awesome. And then, of course, with, with Glenn, you know, he's out there in, in Sedona, and uh, there was a big film festival, and he made sure I got out there, and I was able to do my show and hang out at the film festival and hang out with Glenn. He's just, he's just awesome. Yeah, we, we reunited with the TV Land Awards, which was amazing. Oh, right. He, he, Glenn and I were trophy boy and trophy girl at the TV Land Awards one year. Oh, how fun. Allison, we got to hand people their statues. I'm sure you hear this all the time from everyone, but I, I literally grew up with you. Um, awesome. Yes, I do. I do hear that all the time, and, but it never gets old. It's great. Thank and, you. And you were a child yourself when Little House started. Did you? Yeah. Lucky because I was 12. I've been working since I was six. And I did a movie when I was 10. Like, I did commercials and TV shows. And then I got Little House. I was just turning 12, which is good because I just, people who become really, really famous at seven and eight, I, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know. At least I was 12 and I had some sense of self and separation between fantasy and reality. But 12 is still so young. And, and the show was such a, a, a phenomenon. Even in its day, as it was airing, it was it was a huge show. How what was it like as a child having everyone know you or think that they know you and hate me too? I, you yeah. know, I I always laugh because I say people go into show business so that people will love them. That just didn't quite work in my game. Um, I became famous and people hated me. Uh, it was really weird. Luckily, I grew up in a showbiz family and everyone I knew was an actor. And I also adored villains growing up. So when I knew I'd gotten this job and I was the villain and my job was to make people get really angry and want to punch me in the face, um, I, went, I could go with that. So when people would freak out and say, you're so horrible. I hate you. I can't believe what you did to Laura. 
instead of being upset, I was like, wow, I must, I nailed it. I nailed it. Good, good, good to know. And and to this day, I mean, the show was a huge phenomenon, was in the top ten, it was a big deal, and it ran for nine freaking years. But it's bigger now. Yeah. Because now it's, it's it's in more platforms. It's in 140 countries. It's on all of these millions of cable channels, packs and inspiration and cozy and me. And then it's out on the DVDs and it's in the Blu-ray and the people are watching it on YouTube. So it's and I have people coming up to me now, 44 freaking years later, saying, "Oh my God, you made me so mad. I I hated you. I wanted to reach for the TV and punch you in the face." And I always say, "Thank you, thank you. You're too kind." See, I loved you because the thing oh. about the thing about Nelly is she she seemed to enjoy herself so much. You played her. Yes, she, yes there was a glee that I took in in doing that. And and a real she was very calm. And, you know, she'd be inflicting t- terrible things on other characters, but she she was <laughs> never got ruffled. I, I think I admired your confidence as it a was child. was a kind of real sociopath that yeah. went on. But it was, yeah, thank you so much for noticing those, those <laughs> lovely details. Thank well, you. Here's I the other weird thing. My work. I went on YouTube to try to find a clip of you of Nelly being a bitch to other people on the show could not find a single clip instead I found dozens of clips of Nelly being punished being pushed down a hill being spanked yeah. it's it's like if you didn't know the show and you only went on YouTube you would think Nelly was like the town victim the poor girl always pouring things over my head flour paint whatever mud water eggs um and and it's because people so enjoyed seeing me get my comeuppance that indeed you go you go on youtube and there's these fabulous mashup clip reels of every time nelly got punched in the face or something dumped over her head it's awesome <laughs> and of course being pushed down the the hill in the wheelchair and Everyone's winding up in the creek it, that right you you uh you actually show that clip in your one woman show I do. It's in my show. It is my favorite episode. It is everyone's favorite episode. And I mean worldwide. I mean, I meet people from countries from all over the world, and they're like, the one, the one where you go down the, the hill in the wheelchair. It is, the, yes, the down the hill in the wheelchair. Well, the episode is actually called Bunny, but the one where I pretend to be paralyzed and make Laura do all my work and torture everyone and make everyone suffer, and then Laura finds out I can walk and pushes me down a hill in a wheelchair. It's awesome! I mean, what job are you going to get? I mean, did they do that on the Brady Bunch? Did they do this on the <laughs> Never. They did not. You're not going to get a job where please sit in this wheelchair in a nightgown and ride down a hill. Nobody gets to do this except me. Was there a stunt woman or did you actually take that ride? Both. Um, they put me in a chair and there was a big powerful steel cable on the back and it started down the hill and they stopped it on the cable. So they got that initial, you know, as you see me bounce as I start to head down. Then they had a stunt woman, a very professional stunt woman, do that full shot down the hill because she did that giant fly into the air somersault and hit the water. I do not do midair somersaults. I draw the line there. <laughs> um, and then they took me to another hill that was less steep but longer. And they put me in the chair, and they had the camera on a dolly and just kind of went, go, and let me go banging down that hill at full speed with no seat belts or safety equipment, wearing a nightgown and my underwear and bedroom slippers. And, yeah, it was kind of terrifying. Um, so I'm actually screaming at one point. <laughs> it was awesome. And then um, they had me get in the pond and come up spitting. So and You were always 19- getting doused. It's, I feel like you wound up in that yeah. pond so many times. 
They were always trying to drown me. Remember, there was the river where we re- actually could have drowned. Melissa Gilbert and I did get our Stuntman's Association patches for surviving the episode, the campout, where we actually did have to get in the river. You guys were in, in danger at one point? Kind of. I mean, they had the stunt girls doing one part, but there's a whole thing where, I mean, that river is super dangerous. We saw, like, professional whitewater rafters, people go rafting all the time. And then we'd, like, read in the paper the next day that they'd gone to the hospital and one of them had died. People drown in that river yeah. a lot. It's got undercurrents. And it's very strong. There's some waterfall. And it's also freezing cold, which makes it hard to swim. So we had on wetsuits under our clothes. But we had this thing where we were clutching a clump of bushes and we drift to shore and then paddle to shore. And it was just dicey enough, as they explained. They said, well, if you lose your balance and you fall into the water, you lose your grip. Um, we've got guys in the bushes, and you grab that first rope as you float down. And if you miss that rope, you grab the second rope, and the guys will save you. And I said, what happens if we miss the second rope? And they said, we pick up your bodies in the next town. Jesus. <laughs> like, that's it, kids. And, um, yes, it was pretty dicey, but we totally did it. Well, this is Derek. And this is Romaine. And uh, speaking of dirty chimneys and things going up them, I hope you're all enjoying ass this holiday season. You know, we love Adam Sank, and we know you guys do too. It always makes us happy when we see him in here, half naked, shirtless, hanging out in our studio, doing his crazy show. We love him, and we know you guys love him too. And uh, we want to just take a minute and say happy holidays to all of you out there listening. We're glad that you've joined Adam and, of course, the DNR family. That's right. Ho, ho, ho to all you hoes. Thank you so much, Derek and Romaine. I wish you and everybody else at DNR the happiest of holidays. A special thank you to Ryan Frostig and JB and all of the wonderful guests and co-hosts that we've had on the show this year. We've had a fabulous year. It's been a great year. It really has been a great year for the ass. I want to wish everyone a happy 2019. And you can tune in next Saturday, January 5th. It'll be our first show of 2019. A brand new ass. Our guest will be Eitan Levine, a comedian who wrote a porn parody. It's it's a porn parody musical called Hamilton. That's I have so many questions for him. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. Follow Ryan at Ryan, Ryan Frosting. Frosting. With an N. Subscribe to Derek and Romaine at DerekandRomaine.com. Email me at Adam at AdamSank.com. Download my comedy album, Adam Sank Live from the Stonewall Inn. Look for my new comedy album, Adam <sighs> Sank's last comedy album, sometime in 2019. Oh my God. Happy holidays, bitches. I wish you all a bright, healthy, prosperous 2019 full of lots and lots of ass. Happy New Year, queers. That was creepy.